0: Before we begin in verse 1 of chapter 10, I wanted to remind us all that this whole, the the episode of Peter being connected with Cornelius and his family really begins at least in chapter 9 and verse 32, because this is where Peter is traveling. If you look at that verse... We already have a pretty uh, lengthy uh, passage of Scripture before us in chapter 10. Why would we extend it going back? Well, just as a reminder, the Bible says now as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, uh, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up. And all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. And then verse 36, now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. And when he arrived, they Brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, rise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand, raised her up, and calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa, I guess. (laughs) And many (laughs) believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. So that's where the story picks up in chapter 10 is Peter is in Joppa staying with Simon the tanner. And this is really the first point. I've got five points tonight. Um, We're going to go with alliteration The first point is the divine arrangement. Can you see God orchestrating all of this? And it just gets better because we're going to have Cornelius praying and God answering his prayer. And Peter submissive to the will of God. And God just working and orchestrating Peter's meeting with Cornelius. In Caesarea, and if you need to know anything about Caesarea, just say it like this: Caesarea. That's all you need to know. It was really Roman, and uh, and this is you know this is God setting things up. Has, has God ever set you up? He does this all the time. I think He enjoys it. Just setting things up. He loves to arrange things when we don't even we don't even really understand. Well, why did that happen? I mean, do you think you think possibly Peter thought Joppa was the end of the road for him? Well, not so fast. God's got a plan and God's got another appointment. There it is. That's point number 2. We're already into point number 2. So we have the divine arrangement and the divine appointment. God's going to begin working this out. Let's begin there in verse 1 and we'll we'll just read and Comment as we go. We'll see how far we can fly tonight. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius. He's a centurion, so he is—he's uh, not only one who takes orders or receives orders, but he's one who orders. Um, centurions were thoughtful. People, You had to be a thoughtful person. You weren't just a bloodthirsty person in that position. You had to be thoughtful, and you had to have somewhat of a calming influence. The Pax Romana, the Roman peace. That's what they wanted. So he's a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. He's a devout man. And he's one who feared God with all his household. And he gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. So Cornelius is a God-fearer. What he has in common with the Jewish people is he's a monotheist. He's not like a lot of the Romans believing in a, a pantheon of various gods. So he is a believer in one God, but he is not a, a, a full proselyte to Judaism. So that's, he's got quite a bit going for him. He is devout, he's, he fears God with all his household. He gave alms, he was a giver, he's generous and he prays. So about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. I think that's beautiful. I like, I like to pray standing prayers. God, <laughs> I know I've prayed this prayer many times. Uh, let this one stand before you, for family, for the church flock, for whatever. God, let this let this be uh, a perpetual prayer before you. Um, but this is what happened. Uh, he had these his alms giving and his prayers right there have ascended as a memorial before God. Now. Dispatch some men to Joppa. There we go. There's a connection. And send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. We think the who is also called Peter is there because Peter is actually staying with a man named Simon, who is a tanner, not an apostle. And so they wanted the apostle in Caesarea, not the tanner. So the Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon. There it is. Whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So the Lord is, things are moving. As we like to say, there's a lot of moving parts, right? Lots of moving people. And the Lord is working to bring Peter to Caesarea to the house of Cornelius. And it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's just, um, the Lord just works the way the Lord works. And he has his purpose um so he explained everything to them and he sent them to Joppa on the next day as they were on their way and they were approaching the city uh, peter went up on the housetop about the 6th hour to pray so these uh, the folks that were from Cornelius are approaching the city so they're approaching Joppa and peter has gone up on the housetop about the 6th hour Uh, let's see, the sixth hour would have been noon. Yeah, the sixth hour to pray. So Peter's praying. It's interesting how much prayer um, is involved on both sides of this equation, with Cornelius and then with Peter. Um, But he became hungry. Have you ever gotten hungry while you prayed? Well, it wasn't the first time Peter, way back when, got hungry while he was praying. And he was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I think another translation says, arise, kill and eat. A more simple translation. But Peter said, by no means, Lord. It's interesting. He's talking to the Lord. He knows he's talking to the Lord. And he says, what you just said, I'm... I'm not doing that. (laughs) Get it? Even though he's hungry. I mean, you would think he would have jumped at the opportunity to rise, kill, and eat because he was hungry. But he says, no. By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. And that was the issue. Peter himself, a Jew, Uh, There were certain uh, food, you know, there were food laws. There were things you could eat, things you didn't eat. And that's what Peter lived by. But the voice came again. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. Then Luke tells us this happened three times. And immediately the object was taken up into the sky. So the, the what? The sheet. What verse 11 says, like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. So this object, this great sheet was taken up into the sky. Now, verse 17, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, The men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. The plot thickens. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he, Peter, invited them in, those uh, from Cornelius, he invited them in and gave them lodging. And on the next day, he got up and went away with them. And some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So all of this is a divine arrangement leading to a divine appointment. Right there in verse 25, when Peter entered, this is the appointment, Cornelius met him. And notice what Cornelius does. He falls at Peter's feet and worships Peter. Right there in verse 25. What do you think Peter's response would be? Well, Peter raised him up. Right there in verse 26, saying, stand up. I, too, am a man. Now, my translation adds the word just. I, too, am just a man. Um, That makes the point. And so Peter raises Cornelius up, and as he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Now you and I both know from our study of the gospels, from our understanding of Jewish history, that they did not um, they did they were not inclusive of Gentiles. Gentiles were well lower than what we would say second class citizens, because they were they listen. In the normal scheme of things, Gentiles worshiped other gods. They ate the wrong foods. They were scum. It's just the viewpoint. But Peter, God has worked in Peter's life. God is helping Peter. God is arranging this meeting. And and Peter makes this, really, this admission, you know, God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. You know, Peter didn't, you know, Peter did not rise, kill, and eat. At that that time, he was having this little discussion there with the Lord, but he doesn't, he doesn't really hesitate to go with the, the men, the people that Cornelius had sent. And then he says, I didn't raise any objection when I was sent for. So I ask for what reason you have sent for me. And, uh, and Cornelius said, and so Cornelius is going to give his personal testimony. He said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and you've been kind enough to come. Now then... Here it is. We are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So all of this so that Cornelius and Cornelius's family and his friends could hear the message that Peter had to offer. So the point number three would be the divine announcement. The announcement. Peter's going to give them a message. That's the that was the purpose of all of this, and that's what we have beginning in verse thirty four. It's interesting. Cornelius says we're 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 ready for this. We're like sponges, ready to receive and soak it up. So tell us what he says. We are all here present, and I love this terminology. We're present before God to hear all that you have been commanded, all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Don't hold anything back, Peter. We're all here. We we know that God has been involved in this. We are all before him, and you are here to give this message. This is the focal point of Peter and Cornelius coming together. This is the reason. So opening his mouth. Now, when I read that, I go back to Acts two. Right? It's just so. It's it's pretty pretty neat just to compare Acts ten, this wonderful sermon Peter's about to deliver, over here with Acts two. Now, yeah. You look at Acts chapter 2 and you have Peter proclaiming the message of Jesus on the day of Pentecost. And this was, a, this was a Jewish holiday. This is a Jewish festival. And Peter is bringing the gospel. And most of the people that hear it that day are, are Jews. But there were others mixed in. But this is the formal coming of the gospel to the Gentiles here in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius and his people. And uh, this is not to say that there hadn't been Gentiles who received Jesus. There certainly had been the Ethiopian from Philip's ministry. But this is the, this is the formal apostolic preaching of the good news directly to Gentile people. And it's interesting what Peter is going to say, his announcement. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. This is so refreshing. Just let these words, just the goodness of our God announced by this one Peter who said, hey, he said to Cornelius, get up. I'm, I'm just a man. But in every nation, think of all those nations out there. In every one of them. The man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So, I love, I love uh, Peter's sermons. I love to read the apostles' sermons because they just make a beeline to Jesus. They don't have to start with a story, not that there's anything wrong with a story as long as it's short. But they make a beeline to Jesus. You can't go wrong getting to Jesus and to get to him just as quickly as you can when you're proclaiming Jesus. So he's saying, you know of Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus is the focal point. He is, Peter is preaching Jesus. And he's talking about Jesus and his ministry, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit with power, and how he went about doing good, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Uh, you know, we've been we've been on Sunday mornings over there in John 17, and it's just the the language that Jesus uses to describe the relationship that he has with his father and the relationship that the father has with the son, it's just, they were, they were just together, just the same mission, the same words, the same, the same heart and feeling toward the people. We are witnesses. Boy, Peter, that's, that's powerful. And that's a powerful statement that Peter brings to this household of Cornelius, We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible. Not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen before him by God, that is to us, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So there it is. Uh, you know, he's, he's not through speaking, but he's lifting up Jesus and it's his, it's his sinless life of bringing the teachings of the Father and the works manifesting the works of the Father. And for all of that, Peter says, they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. And then without missing a beat, there in verse 40, God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible. So he was raised up, God raised him up, and then... He appeared, he became visible to, to others on various occasions, to the disciples. He says, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. After he arose from the dead, he ate and drank. I love that. Remember the breakfast on the beach? He's eating with them. He's drinking with them. Um. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as what? He is the judge of the living and the dead. Reminds me of that wonderful verse there in John 17 where Jesus says, "'The Father has given me all authority over all flesh.'" Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead, and Peter makes it known. Yes, Jesus did powerful works manifesting the Father. Uh, Yes, Jesus was crucified, dead and buried, and God raised him from the dead, and and Jesus uh, appeared uh, post-resurrection to others. And this Jesus is the one Right there, who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, all the prophets, do you catch that? All the prophets, of him, of Jesus, all the prophets bear witness. Yeah, we started out in Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, He's, the, uh, he's our righteousness that he's the shoot from the stump of Jesse. He's our righteousness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Jew, Gentile, whatever nation one is from, whatever ethnicity, Whoever believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. This is what Peter is proclaiming there to Cornelius and his household. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. Sounds like his fellow Jews. Why were they amazed? Well, he tells us, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So here we have not only the divine announcement, but we have the divine accompaniment of that announcement. The gift of the Holy Spirit poured out on the Gentiles, just as the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Jews uh, the rule is that the Holy Spirit is given to those who believe. Verse 46 For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked him to stay on for a few days. And the last point is the, is the amazement that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles as well. So encouraging because of what it means for most, if not all of us in this room that God doesn't show partiality, and that that good news is good news to you tonight as well as to me. And it can be good news for those who don't know Jesus as we boldly bring them the testimony of Christ. Father in heaven, thank you for this. Thank you for Cornelius. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for all who were involved and thank you for your good work of grace and mercy in arranging the gospel being presented to the Gentiles and the reception of the good news of Jesus. Father, continue to work in our hearts. Lord, continue your work in this community and go with us tonight as we go our separate ways God, your hand of protection, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for um, your provision in our life, not only for physical needs, and we thank you for all the physical needs, Lord, that you, you really provide for us in those. And, but our spiritual needs, our emotional needs, Lord, we thank you for, for companionship, We thank you for friendship. We thank you for this local body of brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.